You're listening to the O'Reilly Radar Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Webb. This week, we're featuring the first episode of the newly launched O'Reilly Bots Podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. O'Reilly's John Bruner is joined by Pete Skamarak, the co-founder and CEO of SkipFlag, to talk about bots, about what's driving the sudden interest, what we can expect from the technology, and some interesting emerging applications. Enjoy the episode. So I'm here today with Pete Skamarak. Hey, Pete. Hey, nice to be here. We were talking about this uh, podcast and uh, I think the thing that clicked for me was a chance to become the John Hodgman of bots. It sounded kind of interesting. <laughs> so he's, he's uh, uh, well, on The Daily Show, he was uh, the resident expert was his title. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm happy to wear that hat for a few different topics, including bots and machine learning and things like that. Awesome. Yeah. Pete has been one of the big resident experts on a lot of topics for O'Reilly. Uh, he and I met a few years ago uh, when he was one of the big resident experts on big data and data science as we were spinning up the Strata conference. And I remember walking around Strata in its first year back in 2011 and hearing the halls just echoing with this question to the degree that it almost became a joke. What's your big data strategy? And now we're all walking around and saying, what's your bot strategy? Yeah. And so for the people out there who are encountering that in their executive boardrooms uh, coming down from the top, uh, you know, that can be a painful thing, right? Where something is growing extremely rapidly. So I'd say out there, this notion of bots, uh, I've seen a lot of hype waves over the years in tech, but th- this one is growing pretty rapidly. Um, and uh, that exact story I've heard from a few people uh, <laughs> where, you know, that like, you know, CIOs from big companies are, are, are actually saying, uh, all right, what's our bot strategy? I want right. to stop. I want to retask some people to dig into this. Right. Um, with, and, and it's similar. There's been a lot of things like that in the past where, um, it could feel misguided because wait, we're, it's too early. Like we don't even know what this is yet. Um, but at the same time, um, there, you know, there's usually something behind these things. And, and so I do think, um, so the, the, another recent analogy was like minority report, right? So if you go back, uh, you know, 2002, when that movie came out, um, the boardrooms were echoing with, uh, I want an interface (laughs) like that. I want, I want the, you know, to talk to the computer with my hands and wave them around. Um, and so now maybe a little bit of what we're seeing is the, uh, the movie Her came out in, mm-hmm. in 2013, mm-hmm. um, uh, but Spike Jones, it was, it, you know, and it was, it's a great movie and it's, it's kind of eerily close to where we are, it feels like, but there is that uncanny valley between um, what you see in the movie and where the AI tech is right now. Um, and I think mo- that's why it feels a little bit like hype is most people don't grasp that, the difference. Right, right. There are aspects of bots that feel, when I hear about them, like we're in the future. And then there are other aspects that feel very, very much like the present. Yeah, or even the recent past. So, you know, 20 years ago, um, AOL, uh, you know, had these massively popular, you know, chatbots. So Mm -hmm. Smarter Child was on Mm -hmm. AOL um, and people interact with it in a kind of a fun social way. Most people, I there was a talk recently by the creator, and uh, uh-huh. uh, I think there was something like sixty percent of people tried to have sex with uh, <laughs> the bot in that case. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so maybe you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Right, right, right. I think you know, the first thing that people try to do is mess with the bot, right, right. On a, when they encounter it. Right, right. One of the conversations that I've had repeatedly with people who create bots is basically, 
how do you keep people from trying to have sex with your bots? Yeah. And uh, that'll be uh, the topic yeah, of a future yeah, episode of this podcast, <laughs> I think. A lot of people have put a lot of thought into that uh, problem, you know. Um, but yeah, solving, so, so, the, solving the important problems. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have ranked it among the bigger problems that a bot creator would have to solve since computation is very cheap. You know, it mm -hmm. doesn't cost a fortune to let people kind of mess with your bot and try to have fun with it. But a lot, as a lot of people have pointed out, you know, letting people abuse bots um, just it doesn't create the right kind of relationship between your user and your bot. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of effort in, you know, getting users to back off of that in order to ensure that they have the right relationship with your bot. Yeah. And I, I mean, the example that that jumps out uh, from recent memory is Microsoft's uh, Tay. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, we could talk more about that in depth, but like my basic take on it is that it was, uh, and for people who aren't aware of uh, the Tay uh, phenomenon, that was uh, basically a bot on Twitter that was modeled after a bot that was successful in Asia uh, uh, on, on the Chow Ice uh, platform. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, Chow Ice was the name of the bot um, and it was on uh, WeChat, mm -hmm. uh, was the primary platform that it was on. And a, and it's a, a Microsoft bot, right? Yeah, and so micro Microsoft uh, built basically this nice social bot um, in those environments that would be part of a group chat conversation. And um, some of the some of the examples and some of the demos, I think it's hard for people in, in the US because they, they weren't exposed to the original mm -hmm. um, bots, but in a smaller group community, I think, so part of the problem with Tay, so Tay was basically a bot that went haywire on Twitter is mm -hmm. what it's known mm -hmm. for now. Um, but it was originally um, a, a, a fairly successful bot that people would interact with on a regular basis maybe closer to like Amazon Alexa has uh -huh. a bit of that vibe where people are interacting in a friendly way, um, with a, with a, a chat bot in their home. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the thing that was interesting and compelling, I think about, uh, Chow Ice and why they wanted to map it over here is that people in a group setting where, you know, there's the old joke on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog. Right, right, right. So if you're in a setting where there's, you know, like 80 people or so in your social group or a hundred, um, every once in a while, there's a few new people and you don't quite know who they are. So I think for some people, like they, it was indistinguishable. They're like, mm -hmm, okay, there's just mm -hmm. some other rando friend right. uh, of my friends and, and they're saying some weird things, but it's okay. Right. Um, and especially when people are posting pictures of the new jeans they bought and it's just saying, oh, those look great. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, and so they wanted to map that, but when you map it to Twitter, and you go from a small group network to like a large group network uh -huh. and having a bot that actually adapts and changes mm -hmm. and learns from feedback. Um, and, and you could argue about how deep that learning was. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the AI and machine learning people focused is like, okay, well, it's not really learning and right, right. In, a, in a machine learning sense. Um, regardless, I think the, the bigger problem was not with the algorithms, but it's the, the structure of the network that the, mm -hmm. the bot was applied to. Right, right, right. So, so why? I, maybe the natural question is why. So you could argue there's multiple reasons why bots are exciting right now, or why uh, there's a lot of corporate interest in bots. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it seems strange to be talking about this, but that's where we are. We're living in the future. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that there's actually some underlying trends. Mm -hmm. um, and so, John, you and I talked about this in the past a little bit, um, and I think there's actually a few core motivations and trends that are happening. So one, 
um, has to do with uh, distribution of any application that you're building. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's growing fatigue and frustration on mobile. Um, and before that, there was frustration with the web, right? So if you weren't one of the 10, you know, tabbed, bookmarked app uh, websites in a web browser, then you had a distribution problem. And mobile offered this great marketplace and opportunity uh, to get distribution. Um, mm -hmm. Similar when the iPad came out, there was a land grab on the iPad. Right, right. Um, and so people see, I think, bots as a nice way where, well, most people are spending their time um, on messenger apps. Mm -hmm. And if we just have a door or a portal, which may happen to be a bot to, yeah. to enter into those, those funnels, yeah. then that, that's the, that's the strategy that I think, um, excites a lot of people. Yeah. Um, the other one, which we mentioned at the, at the opening here is the sci-fi, uh, promise of like AI, Right. Is right, AI finally right. here? Are we close? Right. Uh, is this going to be another AI winter? Unclear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, let's before, before yeah. we get to AI, let me just remark on, on apps. Yeah. Yeah. Two things have really struck me about apps since I started looking at bots. First of all, since I'm not an app developer myself, I hadn't been aware of just how stagnant the app ecosystem is. Developers are really frustrated. Um, the, the Apple App Store and Google Play are just flooded with apps. The Economist wrote about this a little while ago and, and reported that the 20 most successful app developers take nearly half of all the revenues on the Apple App Store. So it's it's very static. It's very hard to break into. And also people who do research on mobile phone usage confirm that however many apps most people have on their phone, they use very few of them on a regular basis. So even once you get your app on someone's phone, it's hard to get them to use it. The second thing that struck me, uh, since I'm not a teenager, and I don't really know any teenagers, um, is that people love using chat interfaces on their phone. So between Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, uh, you know, the, the native texting interface, and you know, maybe a few other platforms, consumers are spending an incredible portion of their phone time in conversational or social interfaces, rather than in specialized news uh, or entertainment or productivity apps, or their mobile web browsers, for that matter. So that's kind of the opportunity side of bots. The push is that it's really hard to create a successful mobile app now. Yeah. The other thing that is interesting, you know, I, I agree with, with that take. So I think we've moved to uh, more of a conversational interface uh, for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And people's uh, hours are spent either on Facebook or in Messenger or, you know, in Snapchat or right, you know, right. one of these other interfaces. I think one of the one of the difficulties now with bots um, is that you, I, I think the distribution problem of the app store that you mentioned, it actually is kind of an AI problem or a machine mm -hmm. learning problem in that the way that you discover apps um, in those app stores is still largely a directory. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like Yahoo directory before Google. Right, right, right. right. Um, and so where was the Google of app discovery, right? right the Google right. Play Store and Apple, it doesn't feel like they delivered on that in mm -hmm. a meaningful way. Um, and so 
I think the, the, the counter argument to that would be, well, in any of these platforms, the winners are going to take all. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so it's just sour grapes on the part of the, <laughs> the app developers. Right, right. And I think it's always a little bit of both. Like, it, look, if you can make it more frictionless to discover these things, uh-huh. that that's going to be even better, right? Um, I think there's actually another interesting connection to with bots, um, and, and this is maybe taking it a little uh, further out, but... Um, we're in the early days of these bot platforms. So when you think about your bot strategy, yeah. I think we're in a training wheels phase, right? So I think right now distribution is the big thing. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of broadcast bots. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. whether it's Facebook or Slack or something, it's about piping information out of one place and into another where people's eyeballs are. Right, right, right. right? And that used to be email or, you know, cold calling or something, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. taking that out in the newspaper. (laughs) But now if people are on chat and I can reach them there in a non-annoying way, hopefully, um, then I think that's where a thousand bots will be blooming. Right, And there'll be the 1-800-Flowers bot and, you know, the the Google Express delivery bot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you'll interact with these things, human to bot. A lot of people in this area have this vision for how bots might evolve beyond the sort of directory structure that you're talking about so that there's a recommendation process. If you tell some interface that you want to order flowers, it recommends the 1-800-Flowers bot, and then you can just start talking to it. No installation process involved. Obviously, a lot of further refinement is needed. Some transparency issues have to be worked out. But overall, it's a lot easier to imagine bots being recommended this way than it is to imagine conventional mobile apps or even you know, websites being recommended this way? Well, I, so I think there's a few things that are interesting there. So I don't know that anybody has the answer and it may be a bit of both, but one school of thought is that you'll have these God bots. So, Mm uh, the Google now Siri, Cortana, uh, things like that, Amazon, Amazon, Alexa, and you'll, there will only be four bots and one uh, of them will be the best one Yeah, and people will just interact. And that's more viewing bo- like these bots as, uh, like an OS platform. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then everybody else should just integrate with those OS platforms and deliver via those bots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, another way to think about it would be more of what you just said about app recommendation where, um, contextually, maybe they provide a seamless way to get to the right bot, Mm -hmm. but you are actually interacting with a third party bot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think if history, you know, is any lesson in this for, from other, you know, OSs and other platforms, it's probably, I think going to be the latter. Mm -hmm. I think the ability to build a really, you know, powerful God bot, like you said, I'm, I'm much less bullish on that than them, than the platforms having, um, you know, something uh, friendly, kind of like web browsers where you can get to other websites, right? So overcoming the distribution problem inherent in the app ecosystem is motivation number one. How about the sci-fi vision? Yeah, so I I think you touched on this when you said conversational interface um, and how it's nice and natural now for a lot of people to do a lot of things through, through text. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the past we were not really at a point where these things uh, could get anywhere close to passing a Turing test. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even of you really believing it's a human, but of it understanding your command. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, voice recognition 
had been just a little bit too far off in in the last 10 years. I think voice recognition is 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 getting much much closer. And so I would decompose this into there's a whole bunch of machine learning problems to unpack here behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um but one of them is just voice to actual text, right? That's mm-hmm. been really hard for years and that's making a lot of progress. Um and I think the hope has been that okay, well if we just unlock that um, now I can go from voice to text pretty accurately. Mm-hmm. Um, now I take that text and I feed it into essentially a search engine of some kind yeah. that does some natural language understanding, and then I can map that to other services. So this is the classic, you know, uh, Alexa, order me an Uber. Right. Sorry right. to everyone out there with a, a, an Alexa <laughs> device. We just ordered yeah, an write Uber. to us if your Amazon Echo woke up when Pete said that. <laughs> um, so... I, I think that for mechanical uh, rules-based uh, actions like that, um, I think we're, we're actually pr- doing fairly well, right? Mm-hmm. So you can do, mm-hmm. you know, for a phone tree-like system right. with a known universe of commands, you can do pretty well. Um, it, now, going to the level, the sci-fi level of her, where it actually has an intelligent conversation uh-huh. and it falls in love with you and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and you fall in love with the robot. It, like we're pretty, 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 pretty far away from that. Yeah. Ironically, the kind of, uh, telephone interface has become one of the canonical examples for chatbots. in particular, the pizza ordering bot that Microsoft demonstrated at its user conference this spring. Now that was an important demonstration because it gave a lot of people a sense of what bots can do, but it's also an application that's um, maybe not that great for a bot. You have something that resembles, you know, a, a Linux command line. The user has to know the affordances, has to know what they can say. And that's what you get when you call an airline reservation line and, you know, the voice says, welcome to United. You can say, speak to a representative, make a reservation, check flight status, you know, and, and, and so on. That's kind of an inefficient way to do things. A better way to do it honestly, is with a conventional web form or perhaps even with a native app, um, you know, that, that where you have an account and it knows your preferences and it can pre-fill things and just ask you, uh, you know, to answer a handful of questions that it needs for the current transaction. What we really need is, is good AI that can discern intent and, and then interact with, uh, with users accordingly. So without that, uh, it may be hard for these chatbots to take off. Yeah, so... Benedict Evans uh, at Andreessen Horowitz has been writing a bunch on both the rise of messaging uh, over the last, you know, four or five years. uh, And now he's talking a lot more about conversational commerce and Mm -hmm. and UX and bots, right? And um, I really liked uh, one quote he had, which was, what what can I ask if I can't ask anything? Uh-huh. And and so when you talk about this is a different kind of discovery, right? So before we were talking about discovery of apps, mm-hmm. discovery of, of bots or products, there's a deeper problem, which is when I'm in a conversation with a new bot, mm-hmm. right? If the interface for every bot is kind of the same, it's some text interface. Mm-hmm. It's unclear exactly who I'm talking to and what they know and what they don't know and what I can ask and what mm-hmm. if it has some knowledge in inside the the bot's memory, it's uh-huh. unclear what it knows and what it doesn't know. Right. Right. Um, and that's where um, I think Amazon Alexa 
um, you know, they're walking a line, but like, I think the part of the reason it's clicking with some consumers better than previous attempts at these things is they, my understanding is they spent thousands and thousands of hours with actual voice actors in a room asking it lots of different questions huh. and then, you know, kind of brute force, uh, training, uh, it to respond well and be resilient to uh -huh, these kinds of uh -huh. requests. Now that's not like a realistic solution for most other bots. Right. Right. Um, and I think part of the solution here is going to be, um, either better UX in these messenger platforms, mm -hmm. um, so that you could have like a, a more clear sense of the options and right, the menus right. if you are texting. Um, and then another thing is being very clear about what the bot is good for and what it isn't. So this is yeah. more like a thousand bots versus one God bot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something worth giving a lot of thought to is to what degree do we expect users to change their communication patterns in order to work with bots? You know, no one uses ask Jeeves anymore because the idea of formulating a search query for Google has become very comfortable for all of us. None of us say things out loud, like best burrito downtown SF cheap. But we type little keyword laden sentence fragments like that into Google all the time. So, you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves in wondering when bots will be able to seamlessly insert themselves into our conversations. Maybe we don't need that. Yeah. And I think you saw this with uh, Twitter and hashtags, right? Hashtags are kind of a strange affordance, yeah, uh, yeah. but it, it, it just evolved from the community and from the platform. Right. So I think there's something interesting here. So Another thing that I think can slow down uh, the learning curve of building better bots mm -hmm. is that a lot of bots are one-to-one -one right now. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So if you think about Twitter, that kind of platform evolved quite a bit and, and became like this rich payload of information for a lot of products. Um, and it has hashtags and app mentions and mm -hmm. none of those things were actually there at the beginning with Twitter. They kind of grew out of behaviors in the community, like retweets and things. Right, right. And then Twitter modified their UX to adapt to that. Um, and so one of the challenges with at least the US, the current like popular bots in the US is they're largely bot to human huh. interactions. So right, right. I, I think that's an area that I would encourage um, people to think about. Um, and hopefully the platforms uh, move a little bit more into like group interactions with bots. Hmm. Um, because this, like to go a little more sci-fi on you, I think like if you go back to their vision of like the semantic web back in the day, I said mm -hmm. the S word, the other one is singularity. So <laughs> right, right, right. we'll get those both out of the way. Um, but uh, if you go back to the, the semantic web days, this vision was that you'd have this machine understandable interface so that machines could talk to machines mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, and all these queries like booking a flight and everything would magically happen. Right. Um, and, and the vision that everybody really wanted was like, um, Apple, um, had this vision of like the knowledge navigator and there's a great video of this demo, which, uh, we should add a link to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're actually not, I think not that far off from that demo these huh. days. Um, but it's it's kind of a walled garden demo where you could build that right. for that specific case, but to enable almost any generic application, what you really need is a fuzzy way for like APIs to talk to APIs right, right, with right. some reasoning and intelligence. Yeah, and and I think that is. I don't know if this bot wave is going to stick or if your bot strategy is going to really matter uh -huh. <laughs> at the end of the day, but I, I'm actually optimistic that, you know, machine learning is going to keep cranking away. Yeah. Um, text is here to stay. It's like a nice, um, way to talk to people in public without everybody talking over each other. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and 
what is interesting is we're training machines now to talk via text. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens when you have a machine talk to another machine via text? Can they, do we get over some of those brittleness issues that like killed things like the semantic web? Yeah, I had this realization the other day about x.ai, which is a scheduling bot. Um, you CC it when you're corresponding with someone over email and you say, you know, Amy at x.ai or Andrew at x.ai will find a time when we're both free. And then this bot, um, which is actually a lot of human and a little bit of bot. So it kicks off an email exchange with the person that you're corresponding with. It jumps in and says, hey, looks like John is free at four o'clock on Tuesday or two o'clock on Thursday. And then once you find a time by corresponding with the bot, it sends out a calendar invite to everyone on the thread. So if the person you are corresponding with also has an x.ai account, the whole thing happens on x.ai's servers immediately without going through a text exchange. But a lot of people are working on these scheduling bots. So you can imagine a world where, you know, maybe I use x.ai and Pete's using something else. And, uh, you know, x.ai is corresponding with his scheduling bot and is basically taking, you know, my text, parsing it into a structured format and then rewriting it into human text. And then his bot is translating back from the human text into structured format, figuring out when he's free. Uh, and so on. It's just kind of, you know, translating back and forth endlessly. Yeah. I, th I think that was the promise of, of there's been a wave of these scheduling bots now. Mm -hmm. um, and th I think that's the ultimate promise. I think um, it's, it's one of these things where I think there will be a platform killer. So like if Microsoft or somebody does that kind of thing, like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's going to kneecap these other players. Right. Right. Um, but um, and, and you'll notice that scheduling within an organization is much easier because you have open access to everybody's calendar. Yeah, totally, they totally. Just put time on your calendar. It's really um, just a hack around sharing your calendar with people. Yeah. And so uh, the other thing I'd say on that point is this is another kind of reverse Turing test for bots with uh, the, those kinds of interfaces. Uh -huh. we'll, we'll link to this in the podcast as well. Uh, Daniel Tunklang, a friend of ours, uh, uh, wrote a, a short blog post on his interaction uh -huh. where I think he was using x.ai and somebody else was using Clara, which is another AI right. assistant. And because now if you're both using x.ai, maybe it goes right to the server and communicates. Uh -huh. But now the two bots have to talk to each other. And if one or more of them both have a human in the loop, it actually gets much worse. Huh. And so the exchange ping pongs between two humans, much like it would between. But now you've got four humans in the loop. You've got right, the right, original right. schedulers and the other people. Right. So it actually gr grinds to a halt um, in, in that case, or, or at least takes 24 hours versus you right, know, two right. minutes. You know, before I learned that x.ai has a lot of humans in the loop, I did notice that it doesn't send out emails overnight. And at first I thought that was just really clever product management, you know, that they, they've realized that a lot of people take a long time to reply to emails that they receive overnight because you come into your office and your inbox is full, it takes you a while to get through. So oh, I guess they're waiting to send out these scheduled emails until people pay attention to them. But no, it's just that they have a big office full of people who are reading all of these emails and uh, writing all these responses. It's, it's a messy, I mean, so I think we're getting into something else, which is you've got a lot of moving pieces right now. So if you think about, okay, what's my bot strategy? Mm -hmm. Well, this is a new, new area. Yeah. Um, it's new you're building on new platforms, uh, and the products that are being built are all you know relatively new. Mm -hmm. So when you start trying to glue those things together or, or, or use them in any sustainable way, um, you know, that's just something to be mindful of. Right. Um, I think another thing, you know, we've gotten a good chunk of the way through this uh, conversation, 
but I, I guess we didn't really clearly define what we mean by bot. Yeah. Um, I think anecdotally, people um, all have a picture of what we're talking about. Um, but I think there's actually still a lot of disagreement about what exactly that is. Is it a, is it a spam bot? Uh, like on Twitter, maybe you had spam followers and, you know, people are used to that. Yeah. So everybody's talking a lot about bots, but, uh, we're using the term kind of colloquially and, and we haven't really defined, yeah. you know, what we mean when we say bot. Yeah. These examples have involved a lot of different kinds of things. Yeah. Is it a speaker that talks to me? Is it, um, uh, an artificial Twitter follower that's, mm -hmm. uh, sending me Viagra ads or something. Uh -huh. Um, so I think, uh, you know, so bot is been used and thrown around for for decades, right? Um, and the the original examples were more, you know, like chat bots in in IRC, mm -hmm. um, which are maybe these little helpful assistants or you know friendly interlopers. Mm -hmm. um, and then you had, you know, Google essentially had a bot that was crawling the web, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. And you would have a no robots uh, dot text file, right? That would right. Have a list of people who are allowed bots that were allowed on your site. Um, and you know, you know, in Twitter, it's more familiar, you know, related to spam usually mm -hmm. is the, the connotation that people have. Um, now, uh, I think this wave, uh, it's kind of going back to the IRC days of, well, if you have an IRC like platform, you have a messenger platform, uh -huh. people for years have been calling these things bots. So let's call any application that's interacting via messenger, at, uh, platforms, a bot. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other kind of flavor of this are the iOS are the OS bots. Uh -huh. So those are more like the conversational audio, uh, mm -hmm. traditionally interface bots where you can actually talk to your Siri device. You can talk to echo, things like that. So, uh, is conversation an essential part of what we're calling a bot? I mean, could you call that function in Gmail that sees an airline reservation and adds it to your calendar a bot? Um, I, I think yes. Um, and so maybe uh, there's another thing to think about is uh, in the past, we call these things maybe intelligent agents uh -huh. or autonomous agents, uh, something that's acting on your behalf. Uh -huh. um, and so I think that there's different flavors of everybody. All this is being wrapped under bots, right? Yeah, but yeah. some of them are just, you know, phone trees, like the the pizza example of, or, uh, you know, or, or booking a flight where you have a phone tree like right, set of right. options. That's a bot, but it's not really, there's no real AI there. Um, so some people would argue right now that, um, oh, bots, you know, th there's going to be successful bots that are just workflows mm -hmm. and you just put it in a conversational UX. Um, and then there'll be other people who are angry. There's no AI there. There's no machine learning. Right, right, right. right. Um, and then vice versa, like, uh, you know, for Siri, um, some people have called that like the world's biggest re regular expression, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> right, and right, so, right. Um, and you know, Apple's very secretive and no one can see the code, but like yeah, you yeah, can yeah. imagine huge switch statement yeah. with uh, thousands of cases. Yeah. And uh, granted there's, there's obviously a lot of machine learning and the voice recognition and things like that. But I think that, you know, so this is part of the question is like, what is the task? What are you really trying to do? Are you trying to, um, just replace UI and, and, and reach people through a different messaging platform and you don't actually need to have a, huge, a very intelligent conversation mm -hmm. um, or do you need to have an intelligent conversation and understand language or do you need to take some inputs and then go off and do something intelligent on other platforms? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're using the word bot a lot, but I think actually the use of bot to describe what we're talking about is kind of unsettled. Uh, it's, a, it's a term that has a lot of negative connotations um, and, and there are probably other terms that are better. In fact, you and I were in a shared Uber car a couple of weeks ago, 
talking to a couple of other people who are working on bots, and uh, we all realized that, you know, bots have this downside. People think of Twitter bots, spam bots, bot armies. You know, they're they're kind of menacing, whereas agents are cool. That uh, you have Hollywood agents, which celebrities have. You have secret agents. Um, agents work on your behalf. So in this car ride, we kind of took it upon ourselves to uh, to start calling bots agents. And then we got out of the car and walked into a conference where a bunch of other people were working on bots and, uh, and said, okay, we've decided they're going to be agents now. And uh, everyone else was kind of like, meh, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to uh, accept the things you can't change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, exactly. And so for people with like a long memory of uh, fighting bots or fighting spam bots or something like that, uh -huh. it, can, it can, I think, bring up negative connotations. Yeah. Um, in the end, I, I don't know that it matters a whole, you know, to a huge degree. Um, I think what really matters is that people actually build successful, um, you could call them micro apps or on messenger mm -hmm. platforms. You could call them bots. You could call them agents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think the trick is going to be um, finding applications where they make sense and kind of knowing the difference. Like when, like for example, if you're, I was talking to a friend the other day who's uh, 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 working on Figma, which is uh -huh. kind of a rich uh, design uh, tool. Um, and if you're going to do something like that or Photoshop, you're not going to do that in the chat conversation. Right, right, right. right. Um, so it's kind of like that's at one end of the extreme, but but it, it's kind of knowing where to draw the line. Should I order a pizza with chat or mm -hmm. should I just pop mm -hmm. them into a rich UI? Yeah, you know, I, I'm convinced it's going to be a blend. Sometimes you do find people saying, you know, say goodbye to everything you do on your phone or on your computer because uh, bots are going to replace all the old interfaces. But I, I think most people really see it in a more nuanced way where maybe a bot you know, discerns intent, makes some suggestion, but then steps back and gives you a conventional web interface for completing whatever it is that you're doing or for, for taking the next step. So back at, uh, so most recently I was uh, a principal data scientist at LinkedIn. And one of the things, you know, so we had a great data team doing lots of great machine learning. Um, but one of the things that you could do that could save yourself a lot of time often is don't be afraid to ask the user, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that was in the context of you control the UX and the application. And so we could ask people, do you know Python? Do you know, do you uh -huh. know? things uh -huh. like that, right? Um, and you're going to get much better data that way than trying to squeeze blood from a stone right. of, of all this passive data. Right, right. Um, so... Yeah, so we're, we're, we are going to have, um, I think, these bots, and and I think like the the thing to think about is, um, you know, if you are a machine learning person or if you are a, a, an AI person, uh, it's similar to the problems that we face with like data products and data science. Uh, part of the challenge is going to be knowing when to apply these mm -hmm. skills that you have in the right place. Mm -hmm. So making, you know, the flight ordering bot deeper and deeper and deeper into what it can understand and, and what uh -huh. it can tell you may not be the right focus. Right. You may want to step back and think about what are the other things that AI and bots can be good at that mm -hmm. humans can't. So uh, scaling things out is one of those areas. So if you need to schedule across a hundred people or something, uh -huh. maybe uh -huh. that's a, an artificial example, but even like the pizza example, right? Let's say you have a group ordering situation mm -hmm. where you need to order food for, you know, 50 people in your office, rather than having one person go around and ask everyone, mm -hmm. um, you, you could pop up a form or you could just have a text interface with a bot that says, Hey, what do you want? Yeah. So kind of like MapReduce uh, uh -huh, from the, uh -huh. the big data world, yeah. uh, you, can, you now are in a world of maybe ManReduce, right? Where the bot can go out and pull <laughs> right, those right, answers right. together. 
Yeah, or to use another example, you know, automation. There's this big effort to bring robotics into places where they haven't been before. And there are two threads to it. One is that they have to um, become compliant so that they can work near humans. Usually industrial robots are so dangerous that, you know, you can't stand near them while they're operating. Uh, but but compliant robots know when they've hit something and they, and they stop moving and they're they're safe to be around. And the other thing is to to give them some capability to learn very straightforwardly from um, from human workers. Uh, you know, traditionally, industrial robots require engineers to program them. Companies that install robots spend at least as much to uh, hire the integrator to install them as they do to buy the robots. But there's kind of a new generation of robots that can be trained by a worker saying, OK, here's how you, you know, put these jars into this box, demonstrate it a couple of times and, and say go. So you can think of these chatbots as like compliant computing, you know, that they are a way that we can insert computing and artificial intelligence into a lot of different situations with kind of a soft interface that's familiar to the the people around it. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm. I'm pretty bullish on the idea of AI in the workplace. So, and that's why I'm pretty excited about the Slack platform. And so they were one of the early movers, uh, you know, mm -hmm. once, once they, they called the, the apps that you could build on Slack bots, I uh -huh. think that's really where you saw a step function in the number of bots, because by definition, if you're building an app on Slack, it's a bot. Right. right. Um, and, and now Facebook has followed suit and um, everything there is a, is a bot as well. Uh, so I think you're going to see this like split between like e-commerce applications mm -hmm. um, and then in the workplace, I'm sure, you know, uh, a, a lot of the big workplace players will have some form of uh, bot platform or bot interaction. Yeah. yeah. You know, the reason that I think bots could be really important and that they're not just a marketing fad is that they have this promise of potentially bringing about productivity improvements in all sorts of settings. So, you know, economists are really concerned that the last decade or so of technological improvement hasn't brought about the same kind of productivity gain that the decade before it did, you know, back when uh, the PC was coming to everyone's desktop. So you can think of bots as a way to, uh, you know, to inject artificial intelligence and more efficient interfaces into all sorts of professional settings. Imagine if instead of using an awful electronic medical record, you know, interface on a screen, a physician or a nurse could just speak to, uh, you know, to a bot and say, Epic, note that Mrs. Simpson's blood pressure is 120 over 80. And then, you know, that goes into the, the, the medical record. You could even imagine bots bringing computing into all sorts of settings that really haven't had computing before because the existing user interfaces make it too difficult to, uh, to interact with computers. Like, for instance, in the cab of a semi-truck. You know, truck drivers can use computing in their work if they can just sort of speak to a computer and have it respond to them rather than needing to type and look at a screen. Yep. And um, another example I'll just drop out there is um, uh, Esterbot, which mm -hmm. was uh, an interesting bot, which... Basically, this is in the space of everyone should have a personal bot and it guards your time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and so that basically takes a structured profile, her resume. And when recruiters would reach out and want to talk to her, then they could, she basically pushes them off to the bot and they can ask, oh, do you have any background in, you know, uh, PHP development or, you know, whatever their question is, right? Um, yeah. So something like that really cuts out a lot of the low level noise that modern uh, forms of communication subject us all to. So let's talk about the concrete stuff that listeners can do 
when their boss comes to them and says, um, what is our bot strategy? So there are a lot of frameworks and a lot of services out there. Uh, there are AI frameworks, NLP frameworks, of course, the big platforms, uh, you know, for, for messaging, uh, there are frameworks for working with the platforms. Pete, as someone who, uh, you know, works on a lot of bot stuff yourself, uh, what are the, the tools, the things that listeners could start to explore if they have a free Friday afternoon and want to try getting into bots? Um, so I think the first question is, uh, you need to broadly know what type of bot you want to build. Is it more in the e-commerce space? Is mm -hmm. it um, more in a you know fun uh, marketing bot, you know, for Red Bull or something, mm -hmm. um, or is it uh, a workplace application, right? Um, and I think like the most interesting workplace platform is Slack. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of energy um, th that's probably deserves a separate uh, podcast uh, to, to <laughs> dig into the whole universe of workplace bots. Um, but um, you can get going uh, with you know most any language with Python, Ruby, JavaScript, n mm -hmm. you know things like that. No, <laughs> all the modern all, bots. all the modern languages. Well, what right? if I want to develop a Fortran bot? Is there uh, a framework out there probably, for that? There's probably one out there, and if not, there should be right, a Cobol <laughs> bot. Uh, yeah, yeah, if yeah, not, yeah. We should go off and do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think on Facebook, it's very early days. So that, that platform just launched. So I think most of the other bots, you, Facebook is the natural place that people would go because there's a lot of distribution there. Mm -hmm. There's also a number of other platforms like Kick and Telegram. So I think part of it is just knowing where you are. There's also just SMS, right? Like, mm -hmm. so there's actually another layer of startups, which are like bot platform startups. So if you want to get a quick prototype up and running, um, there's a whole slew of, um, uh, platform bot startups, and we should, we'll put together a list uh, yeah. to attach to the podcast. These include things like Howdy, right? Uh, API.ai. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wit.ai. Yeah, yeah. And so there's also, it's it's platforms all the way down. So there's <laughs> there's also platforms that can do, if you want to do a conversational bot that can yeah. under, understand natural, natural language and things like that. And, you know, buyer beware for any of these things, because the danger of stringing together a lot of these things is that um, if you want to go outside of the things that they can do well, whether it's IBM Watson or with yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to hit a wall. So for the data scientists out there, you still have a job. Don't, don't worry. There's plenty, <laughs> there's plenty of things uh, to do there. And it's pretty, and I think anything that's going to be sufficiently advanced, you're going to want to roll your, a little bit of your own um, ML or AI. Yeah. And this will be the subject of a future podcast. Definitely. You know, to what degree are the generalist AI packages uh, usable in, in specialized settings? From what I've heard so far, um, you know, you hit a wall pretty early on and uh, and you wind up rolling your own. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think for getting started, I would, uh, you know, dive into some of the resources that we pulled together for this. And then um, I, I'd encourage people to think through their use case uh, and look at what else is working out there mm -hmm. um, and uh, do a quick prototype, maybe using some of those other platforms. Um, and then there's a whole nother universe of, of, of pain of making these scale and work robustly. And that's uh -huh. probably another uh -huh. future topic we could dig into. Excellent. Well, we, we've come out of this episode with a lot of future topics to get into, uh, everything from, from UI through, uh, artificial intelligence and, and platform questions. So a lot to get into on future episodes of O'Reilly Bots. Pete, it's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah. Great. Great being here. Awesome. We'll have you back in a couple of weeks and keep this going. Awesome. You can reach Pete on Twitter at Pete Skamarak. Thank you for joining us. If you like the show, remember to subscribe to the O'Reilly Radar podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud so you never miss an episode.